0: Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide. Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 44th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this New Moon episode, I'll be discussing honest sex and we'll be speaking with Shayna James, relationship coach specializing in post-divorce and she's the author of the book Honest Sex. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Wheels of Life by Anodea Judith, PhD. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for sacred sexuality. But first, let me share with you some of my own reflections and my own experiences with honest and dishonest sex. How can we communicate our sexual tastes to our partners without feeling that it's unsexy, without feeling that it could be offensive to them because it could be like saying that you don't like what they do. How can we do it in a way that doesn't feel embarrassing for us? People say that communication is so important for good sex, and that's definitely true. And communication is not just something we do with words. There are other ways of communicating desire and also communicating things that you don't like. I think, for example, when you are in the situation of a sexual encounter, one way could be to take hold of their hand and guide it. Some people will would actually welcome some guidance. I remember when I was with one of my boyfriends in Madrid many years ago, and I didn't know until quite recently that it was his first time. And he kept saying to me, guía me, guide me. (laughs) My Spanish was very, very basic back then, but I did understand what he meant. And it was wonderful because I I could just take his hand and guide it. It didn't really matter if he touched anyone else before me or not. This was about getting to know my body, and my tastes because even if you've had lots of lovers in the past it doesn't really matter cuz everyone has different tastes and then also our tastes can vary according to the moment i really believe that the the vanilla community could learn a lot from the bdsm and polyamorous communities where they talk about things a lot more it's all about the consent consent is much more has much more importance and so do tastes i remember many years ago when i went to accompany a professional um, dominatrix she had a slave arrive and i was doing it for a newspaper article and anyway she was telling me about all the protocols that she has in place for when she has um when she has a submissive come to meet her and it's kind of like a questionnaire where they know what they like what they don't like and what is kind of neutral. So that um, once she knows those limits, then she can kind of do what she wants and stay within those boundaries. And also, and always, uh, of course, establishing a safe word. So that's very, very important. Also with polyamorous communities, I think that they do discuss things like consent a lot more and boundaries and limits and things that, that they find acceptable or not. And I re- I really believe that if you're not a part of the kink community or polyamorous community, we could actually learn a lot from those types of conversations to make our sex better. I think in the past I've also been guilty of this. I've been guilty of just believing in flow and thinking that flow was enough. And that if everything kind of just flowed naturally, that was a sign of it working. And if it didn't if it didn't flow naturally, that was a sign that it just wasn't working. However, when things feel like they're not flowing, I do believe that sometimes they could be corrected with a simple and honest conversation. I definitely believe that. And I do believe that it's really important to talk about things that you don't like, especially with them before you have sex with someone, so that it's very, very clear. Because everyone has such different tastes. For example, I really don't like Rough sex. Well, there have been moments in my life where I have, but in general I don't. And I was speaking to a friend just about 10 days ago who loves it when someone grabs her hair and is really rough with her. And I'm just like, I don't like that at all. Um, the kind of sex that I desire, um, I read in the book Honest Sex, which was written by our interview guest today, Shana James. When I read this book, I was thinking, "Oh my God, this is kind of kind of frustrating, but enjoy, enjoying it. How do you say it? I was enjoying it at the same time. I was kind of seeing what I my own desire written on someone else's pages. And I'm going to read a, um, two paragraphs to you that describes the kind of sex, or how I see sex and about the kind of sex that I would like to experience. Sex is not just genital contact or a physical act, we enter into a relational space where we can access the fullness of our senses, the depth of our hearts, and even the permeability of our souls. Each experience can be uniquely healing, transformative and meaningful. As we release the pressure we put on ourselves and stop trying to do it right, we can revel in the delight of our senses. We can explore the emotional, energetic and transcendent dynamics that excite us. Beyond the genetic imperative to pass on our genes, sex becomes a kind of play A way to experience pleasure, intimacy, release, connection, aliveness, fascination and novelty. Many people miss out on the richness and discovery of honest intimacy and sex because they have a limited sense of what is possible and because of the fear of being rejected when we share our vulnerable truths. Wow, that's so hot. I think that sharing our vulnerable truths is also very, very, very hot. I think it's good to discuss these things in, in detail before you're intimate with someone, if you can. Um, and sometimes people just never share their vulnerable truths with their partners. I have so many people write to me telling me, they are foot fetishists or different kind of fetishists. And they just, they've never told their partner. Whereas if I was with someone who was a secret foot fetishist, I'd be thinking, where are my massages? Where are my pedicures? You know, I think I would like to enjoy that side of them and, and wonder why and what it was exactly that triggered that type of response. I would just be very, very intrigued by it. There's far too much shame around sexuality. And something that's really been bothering me lately about sexuality and the kind of sex I want as opposed to the kind of sex I have on offer is that I recently met someone who said they were into all the same things that I was in terms of sacred sexuality, a sexuality that transcends the physical, something that's a spiritual experience. And even though people might be into spiritual sex, it doesn't really mean that you are going to have that experience with them. That's something I've noticed. Anyway, with this person, it, was, it wasn't it was spiritual at all. It was more the spiritual sensation or experience. Was, it was something that I was living within myself. And we were just kind of borrowing each other's bodies. Anyway, in our union, there it was very, very, how would I say, our bodies fit together like a jigsaw. And there's lots of hugging and kissing. But it got to a point where, there was there was some interference i could see from porn and i'm so not into porn i'm kind of if anything i'm anti porn and i think um when i think of porn i think of really rough sex i think of degradation and i think of things that i didn't i don't know that that could possibly or should be defined as bdsm but they're not they they've become part of the mainstream And with this guy, he kind of like was pulling my hair far too much. And I was saying, no, no, trying to kind of like get his hand away. It wasn't right. It wasn't like it was forceful. It was the gesture. We were kind of like getting into a space of, let's say, subtle humiliation. Even though we'd had a conversation before this, and I was telling him I wasn't into that at all. That's something, even though I've had many BDSM experiences, when I dabble with submission, um, even if I'm the dom or the sub, there's no way that I'm interested in any type of humiliation. And I just do feel that what he was doing to me was kind of like getting into those kind of areas. And also he kind of like held my face and almost made a gesture to kind of slap me. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't mind to swear, but I was thinking, what is this? And I kind of pushed his hand away. And he tried again and I was saying, no, no, no. And yeah, I just felt afterwards that my whole body was just aching and it just did not feel right. And, um, I told some of my friends about this and they were saying, you know, there's no way you should repeat with him. Cause now I've got this group of friends that we call the goddesses and we hold out each other accountable for our personal lives and work lives, etc. So it's kind of nice to be able to share these reflections with some some people that I trust and, and to get their perspective. Because when you're within the situation, sometimes you don't see it quite clearly because it's very dangerous. I think being horny and lonely and single is kind of, it can be quite dangerous in the sense that you can make wrong decisions just because you're craving that connection and intimacy. But getting it in the wrong places places is just not the solution so, I decided not to repeat with this guy, even though on a <clears throat> on a non sexual level we we get on really well actually um he's into a lot of things that I'm into in terms of personal development he's very ambitious, he's very polite um there's a lot of things that I like about him we do we've had great some great conversations, but it was just getting into an an area that was not what I expected, especially from someone who said that they were so spiritual. I think a lot of uh, people, you know, it's not what people say, it's how they act that's more important. Um, but anyway, I think um, the experience has been amazing for me because yeah, it wasn't, I mean, what I'm t- telling you here is a very small part of what we shared. A lot of it was amazing. I mean, the first time we were together, it was it just kind of brought me onto to this whole new frequency Um, and I wasn't really emotionally attached to this guy, but I just felt that I was given the gift of sex from the divine masculine and it just felt amazing. And, um, it kind of opened me up to a lot of other energies in my life. Um, yeah, I can't really go into too much there, but it was just, it was, it was the opposite of cock blocking. I felt like I was, you know, just, it was helping me to expand my whole being. It was amazing and an incredible experience. But then it got to a point where I guess I knew that repeating wasn't, I wasn't going to have that same sensation of expansion. It would have been the opposite. I would have been, it was pushing me to some, to some limits. And I realized that that's not really the sex that I want to have, um, the way it was going. so I do feel that sometimes guys have these desires that they might have learnt through porn and they're kind of holding themselves back just to not, um, just, I think a lot of people are holding themselves back in terms of sexual desire. And, um, I think we should talk about limits a bit more often when we are, when we are dressed, definitely. So yeah, we all need to have some more honest sex. And one way of doing it, actually, something that I've really enjoyed in the past is, to make some questions about sexuality. You know, you can find a lot of things online. Um, It's actually an app. I can't remember the name of it now. Oh my God. Um, There is an app um, that you can, um, you can compare each other's sexual desires. And that's a really good way to, you know, you fill in um, these, you answer these questions and so does your partner. And then you can kind of see where the compatibilities are or not. And you can actually, discuss these things and and have lots of different discussions about it. Imagine if you had this secret fetish that your partner always also had, but you weren't telling each other. I mean, how powerful could that be? Another way of doing or uh, sharing desires is something that I've really enjoyed in the past. It's actually playing an erotic board game. They are so much fun. Something like, you know, equivalent of Monopoly when you're going around this board and then you have these cards that um entice you to um indulge in different sexual activities, and there are some props such as blindfolds and feathers and things like that. and and it's kind of it does take you out of that um, that normal um sequence of sexual of sex acts. Um, because normally most sexual experiences do just boil down to kiss, caress, undress. Optional oral sex and penetration. So doing something like a game can take you out of that, where someone external, i.e. the game, is actually dictating what's happening. Of course, you are both consenting to it. I think it's really important to um to change things up and, and discuss these things through fun things like games, like this app, which I cannot remember the name of now, which is so frustrating. And I'm going to, if you keep on listening to this, I'm going to find out and you will know by the time I share the book review, which is just after the interview. Um, so keep listening. I will find out and, um, and board games, I really think it's important to, to share those things and um, as much conversation as possible so that when you do end up in an intimate situation, you're going to really enjoy it. Now it's time for this episode's interview. We'll be speaking with Shayna James, relationship coach, specializing in post-divorce, and the author of Honest Sex. Shana, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast, and thank you so much for taking part in this interview today. I'm very happy to have you here. You are a long relationship coach and author of Honest Sex. For those who are unfamiliar with your work, how would you, could you tell us what you do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's always evolving in a way. Um, I've been doing this for about 20 years, you know, coaching people on their love lives and relationships and often their leadership styles as well. Um, And the recent book, Honest Sex, you know, I've definitely been focusing a lot more on sex, but I think the way I tend to work with sex is everything around the physicality and the positions, right? It's like, I work with the communication and the emotional dynamics and people knowing and loving themselves. And so it, um, yeah, I, I just love that deep work of people starting to know what they actually want, not from expectations or who they thought they should be, but from what is real and true for them. And then being able to communicate that and creating relationships that gonna say last but for me it's not necessarily about whether they last it's like are they deep and connected and meaningful and intimate for
0: as long as they last right so when you mentioned leadership is that related to sexuality as well to relationships as well
1: well the way that I work with people tends to be around okay what impact are you having on others and are you aware of it and how conscious are you of that and so the leadership can show up whether it's in the bedroom or the boardroom, right? So, okay. you know, how much do people trust you and respect you and feel enrolled by you and how genuine are you? And so, yeah, it, it looks very different in the boardroom and the bedroom, but a lot of the principles are actually the same.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. The boardroom, the bedroom. Yeah. Okay. So your TED talk, uh, what what 1,000 Men's Tears Reveal? And I saw your podcast is called Man Alive. So what fo- what um, inspired you to focus on men? Mm, good question. So I was actually
1: doing a master's in psychology and thinking I was going to work with women about 20 years ago. And then I was invited to participate in a workshop where I got to give honest and loving feedback to men. And it was created because I was part of this uh, conscious community. You know, we were... Twenty young 20-somethings and we were trying to figure things out and trying to be authentic. And two of the guys who received so much benefit from being with honest and loving women decided to create a course for men. And so they invited us to be part of a team to give this feedback, you know, for men to understand, like, what is happening with women? If you have blind spots or if you're not having the results you want with women, then why is this happening? And a lot of women, I think, You know, we don't have any obligation to someone we go on a date with to say, you know, when you talked about something this way, that's when I got turned off or this is the part that broke my trust or this is where I'm not attracted to you. But if it was this way, I would be attracted to you. Right. So it's like out in the world, women don't necessarily give that information or they can't. Sometimes it's more just like I'm not feeling it you know, and I can't quite put words to it, but I just, I'm not feeling it. So to me, it became this beautiful, you know, relationship where I feel like I get to love men through being honest and helping them understand what's going on that has been confusing and frustrating and even
0: maddening. Has honesty been a a kind of thread of your, your work throughout these years, has it been? Yes. Mis- yeah. Mis- yeah. Mis-
1: yeah. Like honest and loving. Right. Because there's a way and that's a, a huge part of the book is how do we mature our honesty so that it actually creates connection and instead of the immature honesty you're just like, I'm just going to say it like it is. And this doesn't work for me. And I don't like this about you or you're being an asshole. You know, we can say that's honest, but it doesn't create intimacy. And and in fact, it really erodes the foundation of intimacy. So let's talk about your book. Is it your first book? It is my first written book. I had a compilation of podcasts, you know, that I put together in a book before. But this is the first book I've written. Yeah. Okay. So what inspired you
0: to actually write a book?
1: That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always wanted to write a book and had just set it aside for years and years and years. And then it was kind of one of those things where the circumstances presented the opportunity and this a program that a friend of mine had done and I made a phone call and had a conversation and I was like, oh, I guess I'm writing a book now. <laughs> so, great. Um, but I'd I'd always wanted to bring together, you know, and I love that I can speak openly on this podcast. It's like I'd always wanted to bring together the intersections of sex and spirituality and then the work that I did around authenticity and authentic relating. And I felt like you know, it's it's not common that all of those topics are discussed in, in the same place. Um, and my life has been, you know, kind of a, a patchwork quilt of how all of those things seem like they may not be connected, but how amazing it can be when they all come together. And so that was, you know, the initial impetus was that it was going to be more of a memoir and my own stories and things. And it turned out to be more like, some of my stories, some of my client stories, of a lot of interviewing experts on relationships, and
0: yeah, yeah I can really relate to that because on this podcast, we've talked about spirituality and sexuality quite a lot. Because it's just once you get to that level, it's just whoa, amazing! Oh my God.
1: It's a whole what new it level. Yeah. It, it is. It's a whole new level, and it's one that you know can be challenging to find words for too, uh, yeah, and I mean, also challenging, yeah.
0: I think we're taught that you know, sexuality is not a spiritual thing. I think that's, if you come from a religious upbringing and then you realize that it is actually, it's very, it's, it's a real connection with the divine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, a couple of things, like when you said something even before I started, I just got chills again. It's like, oh, right, like to actually feel the divine in your body, in your heart, in your soul, and then sometimes with that other person, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Absolutely.
0: So what was your writing
1: process like? Mm. Well, I was part of a program where they taught us a little bit about writing and had an editor and had, you know, some accountability, weekly accountability. So it took me, I think, about probably 10 months or a year to write the first draft Mm. and then another six months or so to do the editing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of did it. You know, it was one of those where it was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. So I'm just going to spend Sunday mornings writing and, you know, do as much of the research and just keep mulling it over. Sometimes I would send myself little voice memos when I was in the car. And it doesn't,
0: it doesn't I know really all about that. voice mind. memos. Yes. <laughs> yeah, You know, something that I found that years ago when I was writing for with deadlines, just writing articles and, and a book as well, Sometimes I had this writer's block, and this is before I was spiritual. And I used to think, I used to just like take a vibrator on my phone and go and lie down. And I would start like, I love that. All these ideas were coming to me. And I would write myself um, an email that I would later see at my desk, you know. And uh, then now I realize it was the sacral chakra, you know, it was all (laughs) like,
1: you know, that (laughs) sounds (laughs) way more fun. The next book I'm writing, I'm writing with a
0: vibrator. That would be way more of (laughs) 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 an awesome process. So, yeah, in your book, I've been reading it um, over the last like, few days. You talk about, you just touched on it just earlier, the immature honesty and mature honesty. Could you tell us what that, those terms mean and, and how can we be more mature in our honesty? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the way I laid it out in the book is that immature honesty is a lot of blaming and shaming and attacking and not taking responsibility. Um, And, you know, like staying on a surface level of Um, the conflict is about the laundry or it's about who's doing what in the house or the money or sex or whatever. And like, honestly, as I've been working with clients over the past 20 years, it's just never really about that. It's so much about do I feel partnered with and collaborated with and understood and, you know, loved and cared for. And so if we go to this deeper level of not just the surface conflict, but the vulnerability of I'm not feeling heard or I'm not feeling seen or I'm not feeling loved. Like If I take responsibility for what feels vulnerable about this for me, then I start to come from a more mature place. So instead of, you know, you came home late and you're an asshole, it's like you came home late and then I was worried that, you know, you... Well, first of all, I might have been worried that you got hurt or that... You weren't okay. Second of all, like I didn't feel respected in that moment. I didn't feel cared for. And, you know, not having the kind of um, like yelling or blaming or shaming or attacking that just goes down this downward spiral where then everybody's defending against each other and how to really have an intimate conversation where something can be
0: resolved and, and moved forward. So, would you say it's focusing on how you feel rather than attacking the other person? Or, or is, is that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of, okay. So, if we're going to have mature honesty, it's right. How I feel, the impact that your actions had on me. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to say, well, I think you're an asshole, or I feel you're an asshole, right? And like turn it right back around to someone else. But, you know, really, it might be more like, I, I feel sad or I feel lonely. So, you know, there are ways in the book to start tapping into, all right, how do I shift my honesty to make it more mature? And how do I actually say what's true for me? Because I don't know about you. I think this is true for a lot of women, but I think it's true for people of all genders that sometimes we do feel hurt or we feel missed or something like that. And then we just like we feel ashamed and like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. And maybe I'm ask I'm too much, I'm asking for too much. And so instead of shoving that under the carpet and trying to just you know move along it's like oh i'm actually going to say some of these things in a mature way and ask for things from my partner so that we can co-create something beautiful together
0: definitely definitely i think it's so uh, good to take the blame and the ego battles out of these things for sure
1: yes and it's so easy i mean it's been uh, i'm divorced about 10 years ago. And we had a lot of ego battles and a lot of me not feeling worthy. And so then I I would, you know, emotionally just be more volatile or explosive. And I really committed after my marriage ended that I was not going to speak like in a conflict. I wasn't going to speak until I could say something that would forward the situation instead of taking it down a downward spiral. And, you know, I'm not always perfect, but I'm kind of amazed at how, if we don't give ourselves permission to blame and shame and attack, then we have to actually stop and pause and digest and, you know, bring something that actually is more mindful. And I think if I can do it, <laughs> I know other people can do it too
0: yeah it takes a lot to kind of admit that you're maybe wrong in some ways and because i remember when i look back at my relationships i, I think how high maintenance i was i was always yeah. pointing the finger and then with yeah. time and, and experience i've kind of seen or acknowledged my own part of it and uh, yeah it takes uh it takes time <laughs> at least
1: it really does and Yeah. One of my favorite quotes that I have in the book is the Viktor Frankl quote. I don't know if you know him, where he he talks about how between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, it's basically like our capacity to choose uh, how we're going to engage, you know, and we can engage in a way that feels shitty or, um, like I said, degrades or, you know, like dissolves the trust in a relationship, or we can engage in a way that is
0: Kind and loving and caring and build that trust. Great. Speaking, of, I had this um, I had this question actually. I've, I've built my own conscious community here in Barcelona, and we have um, questions on the table for like ice-breaking conversations. And one of the topics yes. relationships. I'd love your opinion on this. And one of the questions was, should you let your partner have um, the access or the password to your mobile phone? Oh, <laughs> and it was it was interesting all these different opinions because some of people who had let's say families and children they said they needed it for kind of safety purposes but then other people other people were saying but you know someone could access your messages from your best friend who was telling something in confidence right so is this and also from bank fraud I mean if someone else has access to your phone there's a whole what would you say about do you do you have an opinion about that because it's just I just think it's well, one of the topics that I love
1: about, that there's <laughs> yeah I love that, that there's all those pieces that I wouldn't have thought of but I, I think probably the question is more like do we have access to each other's messages? Right. Cause it's not really like, it's not like I want your bank records. It's like, I want to, are we trying to follow each other's who you're talking to and what you're saying and how it happens? And I don't know. I've always been a very trustworthy person and I, and I feel like people can trust me. So I've never thought of that or wanted that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess my hope would be that there's enough trust in a relationship that that's not needed.
0: Yeah. So that kind of skirts the question a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally agree. With good, I, I guess with some people who have kids, they, the kid has the the password so they can actually play on different apps, yeah. to, you know, yeah. games and stuff. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a bit of a confusing one I had a couple of friends my kid had access and then they discovered infidelities that way so Aye. it was thanks to that that they they found out sooner rather than later so it's just the whole it's a very uh, sticky question they going back uh,
1: to- well and it's interesting going back to honesty right it's like infidelity mm-hmm. is just based in this lack of honesty um and and I never I don't know, maybe I should, but I, I really try not to blame like, oh, the one who was had the affair is the one to blame. It's like, like usually what people find as they dissect what happened is again, there wasn't a there wasn't intimacy, there wasn't honesty, there wasn't a hey, I wanna really know you deeply and I want to um You know, my sense of what happens when there's mature honesty is that there's this ever evolving, it gets to a spiritual place where there's this ever evolving moment that's always changing and that's always breathing more life and love into us. It's not always easy. I'm not going to like, you know, make it like, oh, it's always a a field day. But um, I think that's a big reason why relationships break down and why people have affairs is like, oh, I don't feel that closeness or that connection anymore. and then. But once that is in place, that's where I think passion actually has a better chance of staying alive because we're not playing with these remote scripts and games and lines. We're actually like here fully in the moment, seeing oh, what what turns us on right here, right now, versus who we were a day ago or a year ago.
0: So getting back to honesty with ourselves, something in the book about when we're not communicating, when we we don't enjoy something, let's like, say in sex, I think this is something that's really dangerous. I think. I mean, I think um, also there's a lack of consent on the other person because they don't know they're not enjoying it. So that's uh-huh. a very uh, sticky um, situation. I think. I, I, I think I can speak for myself, and maybe a lot of other women as well who've been in situations where they've had their maintenance sex, perhaps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to try and um, keep someone happy, keep or someone happy. happy. Yeah, and and then you're kind of like thinking, oh. Um I, think this oh, is I feel so sad
1: about that, too, though. It's like, yeah. oh, so if maintenance sex is happening, then I would imagine there are many desires that people, women could tap into of like, oh, my God, if it was really going the way I wanted it to, I would have this or it would be this way. But then we get too scared to say so and to rock the boat. And I don't want to risk, you know, this relation breaking this relationship and. that's one of the things that really scared me for a long time. If I say this, it's going to break everything and I'm going to fuck everything up and it's all going to fall apart. And so I get to then be with, there's a part in the book too about our parts, right? Like that part of me that's afraid of breaking everything is, is a younger one who's going to be scared all the time, you know? And I get to bring in my more mature ones to say, Oh, sweetheart, you know, it's okay. I know you're scared. And if we don't say what's true for us, then we just end up in this, like, dull gray, right? It's all, it's all going to fall apart anyway, and not in a pretty way, so.
0: Mm-hmm. I've always felt very angry with myself when I've been in a situation like that, you know, more than the other person. I felt like it's almost a self-rape situation, because I- Yeah, it is, yeah.
1: Great, yeah. right. like, if somebody doesn't know, I had a dream, actually, recently, where- I was having sex with someone and I told him something about how I didn't like it. And then he kept going and I was like, great, is that rape? Is that not rape? Like, you know, we don't need to get into the details, but I love that, that term that you just came, you just said the self-rape, it's like, oh, not to blame or being to, you know, make ourselves wrong too, but it's like, if we're not communicating and we're not saying what we want or need, hope, ideally someone else would be connected enough that they could feel that. But the reality is, we have to also speak up for ourselves and what we want or need, and that's separate from you know a a rape situation, right? Absolutely, yeah. We're overpowered, and yeah. So I don't I don't want to blend those two together, but it's yeah. I, in the book, there is a story about a woman who is, like decided that you know she was never going to have the sex life she wanted with her husband, and so she didn't say when she didn't like something or when something wasn't working for her, and that's just then it's inevitable, right, that it's going to go that way. So at least if we start to speak up, Mm. then we have the chance. And I often start, when I speak up something like that, I often start by saying, I feel scared to say this, or this feels really scary, or I'm afraid of hurting your feelings, or I don't know where this is gonna go, and that feels kind of terrifying. So also I encourage my clients to come forward with that vulnerability, not like, you know, we have to seem like we've got it all together.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because so the way you say it is is very is key. As I loved um, the definitions of sex you had in the it, what was the chapter called about sex? What is sex, what is sex actually? Yeah, I really loved it. Uh, I really loved it. when you said it. Well, I think it was a quote from Esther Parallel, But it's a place you go, and also you said it was a uh, has the potential for play, intimacy, and spiritual experiences, which I totally, totally agree with. I think you said some, something about from your own journey about going to. Um, I think it was the tantra part about different sex parties or something. And then you saw profane to sacred. and Then you saw everything as sacred. I thought that was so intriguing. Can you tell us more about that and how you can see everything as sacred?
1: Everything is sacred. I mean, yeah, I guess I, I often like to say to my clients, it's like all of your desires are innately good right? Some of them you may act out, some of them you may not, right? You may even have desires that don't involve consent and you may realize, okay, I'm not going to act that one out or I could play it out with consent or, but I just like innately, none of our desires are bad as long as we have a a willing or wanting, you know, mature partner who is there with us. So I think, The sacredness comes in when we recognize, oh, a lot of the shame that we've held about what we want or what we like doesn't actually have to come into the picture. Now, it usually does, and it slips in in some way or another, and then it can be really sacred to stop in the middle of an experience and say, like, whoa, I just just got hit with a wave of shame or, you know, I just dissociated because I felt scared and like to actually be with that together as partners to me is is where it's at because then you know it can seem like oh no we're derailed and we're not having sex and um but usually it comes back in such a deeper way there's a there's a chapter also the myth of happy sex uh-huh. and where I talk about an experience with a partner where I wasn't really there I was kind of checked out and he was like what's going on where are you and As he asked me, I realized that I had been to a funeral that day and I was just still in this grief. And but I I was like, I was trying because we only saw each other once a week. And it was like, if we don't have sex now, we're not, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm on board. I'm going to try this. But he, to his credit, really noticed like you're not quite here. And it was such a beautiful thing where he just held space while I cried and, you know, moved some of that energy through. And then we made love and it was it was gorgeous. Like it was like, you know, it's so, so much richer than it would have been Mm
2: -hmm.
1: on an average day. Right. And so that's where I also feel like, okay, the sacredness comes in when we're really willing to know that everything is a doorway to connection. We don't have to think, oh, I'm feeling angry or sad. And that means I shouldn't have sex or we can't be connected through that. We can actually create connection through all of it.
0: Absolutely, I think vulnerability is really sexy. I remember more of, uh, one guy I, yeah. I was in a relationship with many years ago. and He never told me until recently that I was his first. Oh, so, oh a what what strange situation because he was trying to kind of act as if he was experienced, <laughs> and I was experienced. I was talking about all of my experiences in the past because I've always been quite sexual, and any every any kind of vulnerability he shared with me, it kind of turned me on, and I let him know, and he really liked that. He, he told me yes. in retrospect that it really you know encouraged him. Because if you don't know what you're doing and you're going on top of someone and doing all the movement, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, what are we doing here? You know, but it was, um, yeah. I think vulnerability is yeah. very sexy. Yeah. And you also mentioned... Yeah, and book. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, like, I
1: encourage people to be vulnerable and a lot of men, especially, they say, like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to show that I don't have experience or that I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I often say, like, willingness is way higher, you know, in my book. Like, I would rather someone be willing to get to know my body, my body specifically on each day of the month, you know, then like come in with, oh, I'm this crazy tantric lover and I know exactly what I'm doing, but not really be willing to know me, you know, like, so I think vulnerability is, is beautiful and it can be really challenging for people when they are afraid they're not going to be loved or, you know, seen as attractive anymore. And so I think it's a lot of the work I do with my clients, especially the men, is to make, create a safe space for them to start to be vulnerable and know, oh, I'm still loved and cared for.
0: Yeah. There's some, um, you mentioned this book as well, which I love this book, The Art of Sexual. Oh, yeah. Seriously, love I it. love it. But one, one thing that stuck out for me in this book was the um, exercise about... Um, the genital shame, I just think that's such a powerful thing where you can t- talk to your partner about how you feel about your genitals. I think there's yeah. a lot of pressure also from for, for men and women, you know, from the from the porn industry. And I think people mm. have felt that inadequate or, or somehow or, yeah. or that moment of just taking off your underwear. It's not like, hey, check it out. It's like hide under the, <laughs> yeah, the duvet, you know. So I think this is a really powerful one. You can share all, all of that stuff with, with some mm-hmm. really, really hot,
1: yeah. And I've had so many partners who have helped me love my body, right? They've been in a stand in while I'm learning. I still have, I, yeah, I used to have crazy body shame. And now they're still like, oh, my belly's, you know, a little, I've got the muffin top and you can grab it. And it gets bigger when I'm PM messing. And to have partners who are like, I love this and I want to hold this. And, you know, but if I just pretended like I'm good. Then I wouldn't get to have some of those intimate experiences that are, admittedly, right like scary, and I've cried my eyes out at certain points. But then we actually get to be closer through it.
0: Absolutely, another book you mentioned. I have I've got similar tastes here. Was the yeah. *Poisoned Arrow*? Oh, <laughs> great! Yeah, I find it quite hard. It's not an easy read, but um, the the yeah. idea is is in, so intriguing about Coretta and about. You know, having no sexual climax for maintaining intimacy. When I mention this, people are like, (laughs) "What? So, what is your experience of carrots?" And we just like like to what it is and um, how you
1: work. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's like I think the goal it's it's to not be goal oriented, right? To not try to get to orgasm. And for for me, that has been beautiful in my life. And that and orgasmic meditation and just, you know, playing with energy without this goal and seeing, can I feel pleasure right here, right now? You know, can I ride this orgasmic wave? It's different. There's a chapter also, what is orgasm? You know, because we think, oh, it's this like peak and drop and we can have these rolling waves of orgasmic energy and men can climax without ejaculating and women can have like there's so many things that can happen so i think careza is is often a doorway for people to slow down and actually you know feel each other and not be trying to get somewhere so my my definition of sex really shifts from a goal orientation to a pleasure orientation and i think careza can be a powerful way to make that happen and i used to think when i learned a new tool like that like now that's the right way to have sex, or that's the only way to have sex. And I'm like, oh, come on. You know, we can we can have sex in all different ways. And adding variety, I think, is also really helpful for couples.
0: I loved that paragraph about the couple kind of getting it on with the clothes on and not doing anything. Was that the caresser part? It was just so hot. Like
1: yeah, to- that was just um so funny. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna like say a little secret, like. That that was actually me and my partner, Ooh. and in that chapter, I was like, "Oh, there's too much of me here." So now your people will know, and nobody else is gonna know, or maybe <laughs> maybe it'll get out. But that was that wasn't Carissa. That was just more of like a, "Hey, we are gonna go to bed together, and then we're gonna see what happens and where the energy takes us." And you know that does take some form of one person kind of leading at least for a moment, or kind of leading and following, and. Playing with breath and playing with energy. Um, But again, like, right, most people don't have that kind of sex life. It's like, oh, we should go to bed. We should get naked. This is how it happens. And so I love the tantric way too, where we just start breathing and start looking into each other's eyes and start seeing what energy is here and knowing whether we cuddle, whether we massage each other, whether we just. Breathe together, like all of that, can be insanely pleasurable in connecting.
0: Definitely, another book you mentioned. He's actually my first guest on this podcast. Was um, Dr. Laurie Mints. Oh, amazing! Yeah, she's the first interview that I did. It was amazing. This book is incredible as well. The um, I think it was in a part about orgasm and meditation. Was that correct in in your book you mentioned?
1: Well, I think becoming orgasmic meditation didn't, for me, that came from yeah. experience. I think okay. becoming clitor, it was more around, you know, men learning um, and, and that orgasm gap, right? That like oh, yeah. women are having fewer orgasms with men than they are by themselves and with other women. And so what, right, to really see what's going on there and how to learn a woman's
0: body, Yes, I think it's also there's too much pressure to have an orgasm, especially male orgasm. I think it's like that big yeah. rush when you're, when penetration starts. It seems to kind of be very monotonous, That's the bit, you know, and then chasing that orgasm and then doing different positions. And it's just like, we're both in different worlds. It's going to be over yet. And if you stop something, it can be the whole thing is deemed a failure, you know, because you've stopped it or, you know, it, it, it isn't that communication there. That's what I think. Right. That- and if. If you change the context of, oh,
1: this is play and we're going to have peaks and valleys and it's going to, you know, kind of no pun intended, is like we're going to come and we're going to go and we're going to like, it's like, I, and I think, I think the one of the issues that people can feel this kind of scarcity um if someone isn't really excited about sex or there hasn't been a lot of a turn on in the relationship it's like oh well if we stop now or if we pause now then maybe it'll never come back or it feels like it's like we have to ride that edge so you know tightly otherwise we're going to lose this but i think often when couples let themselves slow down and really start to get to know each other and start exploring like what happens when i touch your arm for 5 minutes and We're not going to have sex, you know, intercourse or I'm not going to touch your genitals this time. We're going to have sex. And it's almost like, oh, it's so frustrating, even though I didn't want to have sex with you last night. Now that we're touching each other and we can't have sex now, I want to or right, just getting to play and explore and know each other's bodies. I think it is,
0: again, it's not very common for people. I think one of the best tips is just to eliminate the penetration for a while. It kind of gives so much creativity. Than, uh, yes,
1: ways. and I think a lot of couples who are not heterosexual couples, like that, tends to be you know it tends to be much more variety in their sex lives. And heterosexual couples can tend to just kind of go in the rote patterns. I mean, same with gender roles and household chores, and race. <laughs> like this is the way, this is the way it's gone. But we don't have to stick with that.
0: Also, something go back to the tantra part you talked yeah. about um yoni massage and and linga massage. massage you talk um mm-hmm. when it's not about having an orgasm what are the benefits of of that um of those types yeah. of massages
1: those types of massages can be very healing and speaking of shame and genital shame and you know the experiences that i've had it's like we store our experiences some some people say the issues are in the tissues right it's like we store history and experiences in our bodies. And so I've had someone do a yoni massage on me and had memories come up and had tears flow or had, you know, anger come out and just allowing ourselves to release some of those things that keep us stuck. Cause usually if we're feeling some kind of stuckness with a partner in the moment, it's not just because of this moment right here and now. Right. If we're ultimately really present in this moment right here and right and right now you know, there might be something that doesn't feel good or we don't feel connected, but it's not like it doesn't have that intense weight of years of being missed or that experience that we had in our first sexual experience where, um, you know, I I, I like I, I relate to when I was in high school, I had sex in ways that I didn't really want to. And I didn't know my body was sacred. It was just kind of this thing that people were doing. And I was turned on and excited. But I also feel like I didn't treat my body as well as I would have loved to. So sometimes that can come up now. And it's like, oh, he's doing that thing that ev- men have done since the very beginning. And the reality is he's doing whatever he's doing. And I'm bringing so much to that history and that pain so the Yoni massage and the lingam massage can be a really powerful way to release that energy and free ourselves of what we've been holding on to.
0: Also a great way to to explore new ways of touching the area that are not about stimulation. Because mm-hmm. I've seen some yeah. um some I've been to some workshops with the lingam massages. It's, it's just incredible all the different ways. I also I, I've actually received a few um, professional tantric massages here in Barcelona. And I was like amazed by the different ways to touch breasts and, and even mm. like the vulva without, that with, 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 no one has ever done before. You know, kind of drawing the triangles like, wow, that's so hot. Or even just around the vulva, which no one would do that to you. They're just kind of going for the clit and just like rubbing, you know what I mean? Really? <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> they kind of draw this imaginary bikini. It's just so exciting. This this is awesome. hot. I like that. Yeah, it's just, uh, I just, and also I remember feeling, Like they didn't know that my ankles were erogenous because every single part of you can just be... And be erogenous. Yeah. It's just so amazing. Even your neck and your head, these are areas that just don't get enough attention, you know?
1: All of it. I mean, that's why I think in that I really got through practicing orgasmic meditation and sensitizing my body and kind of being able to slow down enough to feel sensation and pleasure, whether it's the wind blowing through my hair or whether it's like somebody looking into my eyes and recognizing, oh, we have an energetic body as well as a physical body. And so if I feel someone's love or attention on me, like that can make me orgasm because, you know, I've practiced opening to all of those sensations. Like it sounds like you have as well. And so there's just, again, there's so much more when I think about what is sex actually, like, I don't have it that it has to have genital penetration. You know, it could be we are sitting together facing each other looking into each other's eyes and breathing energy together and we're not actually even physically touching and that can be insanely pleasurable on a sexual level that i consider sex you know definitely so a few quick questions what's the book yeah. that changed your life oh what's the book that oh my god i mean i'm an, i definitely read a lot a lot a lot so so many I mean, the Viktor Frankl book, Man, A Man's Search for Meaning, was very powerful for me. And to see that someone can come through, he was a Holocaust survivor. And, you know, to see that he can come through such a dark, right on the edge of death experience and actually find meaning and hope again, that that
0: has deeply moved me for sure anything related to sexuality that you find <laughs> Wait, Well without means... not related really to sex no i mean uh, all, all the books people tell me they're all about a lot of them are spirituality as life-changing books in general because I'm, I'm always looking to read so I'm, i know only things on my list so it's always good anything that really i remember that found um particularly yeah i remember
1: reading blue truth by david data and i have mixed um feelings about him and his work. I think it can be really challenging and people can kind of shame themselves even though it's intended to free people. Um, But I remember reading Blue Truth many years ago uh, and just feeling the depth of what is possible and and the sacredness of connection that's possible.
0: Okay I've not read any of his stuff. Um, Any series or do you like? Like a series of books? Um, like Netflix or anything like that. Be- oh. Because I'm, I'm, also- I'm not a huge...
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a huge TV watcher. I do a lot of stand-up comedy more than I do shows and stuff. But I did think there was a um a show about a suburban couple where the woman was not happy in their marriage and she went and... I can't remember if she actually had an affair or I think she did have an affair, but I it was... It was an interesting and sometimes a really bad, like I remember they did a play party and somebody punched somebody else and it was really, it was like horribly created in certain ways, but I thought it was very thought provoking for couples of like, what is intimacy actually? What is connection actually? And where do we just start to fall into taking care of the kids and doing the humdrum and not putting attention on us and our relationship and you know how how to actually shift that and see each other for real
0: again. Yeah, it's challenging for most people with children especially. And do you have a phrase or affirmation or quote that you live by? I I think I have
1: a question often, which is how can I, how can this be for my highest good? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. how can this be an opportunity or a gift? So I definitely look at the world through that lens and really attempt to see that the universe is creating a kind of curriculum or things for me to learn as opposed to like, oh, fuck, (laughs) you know, this this thing is happening to me.
0: Great. My my mantra for this year is um, goddess treatment only.
1: (laughs) I started listening to your podcast. I can't wait to finish that one.
0: Yeah, because I have a group of friends and we're all kind of, we've got a goddess, um, what's up group we're all holding each other accountable so all of the the loser guys from 2022 were like out you know they're they're, they're
1: <laughs> no if they're not treating you like a goddess no way yeah. no way no no how
0: yeah so it applies to everything in life you know with clients work and everything is, it, is this goddess worthy no yes or whatever but i find what's yeah. something i find challenging right now is that i'm currently cel- celibate so just this conversation with you just makes me realize how much i want to have those connections and then you're in a situation where you know, but the, on the physical side, you're still horny. You think, do I do dating apps? Or because it, it, it could be in a situation where someone's not going to see the goddess in you. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's just a very frustrating um, situation sometimes when you're craving this deeper connection. Not necessarily a romantic one, but something. Right,
1: but a sexual or, one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and then you're like, well, what do I do? Do I, I want the cake, but I don't want to eat the crumbs, you know, or, or the crumbs. Because you want sex, but not relationship, you said? Um, not necessarily. I mean... It's it's not that, that I don't want. It's just the um I don't want someone treating me like a rag doll. That's what I don't want. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> right. Like only so,
1: sacred. I mean, that's yeah. You know, for me, right? It's like only someone who's gonna treat me in right like a queen, like a goddess, and
0: yeah. Because um, all the I mean, I, sex thing is exactly how I see sex, but sometimes like it's not quite my reality at the moment <laughs> unless yeah. I'm alone. So yeah.
1: It's challenging. And I, I think it's really powerful to hold that like, okay, I'm not going to be with someone unless they treat me like a goddess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've had beautiful sexual experiences by myself where I'm, you know, connected with the universe or God or spirit and like having that come through me while I'm having sex with myself or self-pleasuring. Mm-hmm. Um and then I don't know what I've found is that as I as I got more clear about putting out in the world, like this is who I am, and these are the kinds of experiences I want to have, then I've I've often had men show up, even if it wasn't a long term relationship, but it was like they showed up in the context of, oh, it's deep, it's real, it's respectful, it's sacred. So I'm holding that for you that that could happen okay. for you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So where can people find you? Probably the best place is to go to my website, shanajamescoaching.com. And Shana is S-H-A-N-A. And if you add a slash honest dash sex, you'll be taken to the book page where you can you know, learn more about honest sex. You can get a free chapter of honest sex. You can buy honest sex, <laughs> whatever <laughs> you want to do. Um, and then, yeah, you'll, you'll find a whole bunch of other resources on my web page, including my TEDx talk, like you said, the what a thousand men's tears reveal about the crisis between men and women. And I think that's a really good one for people of all genders to see.
0: Excellent. Well, Shana James, thank you so much for taking part in this interview. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. The book I'm reading now is Wheels of Life. The Classic Guide to the Chakra System from Anodea Judith, PhD. This is an international bestseller with over 300,000 copies sold. I read this for the first time during the pandemic. It was during the spring, actually. I used to have my orgasmic breakfast. And then I would sit on my balcony in the sun and read a chapter a day. And the chapters was was kind of according to the, the chakras. So I was reading one day, it was all root, root chakra. And the next day, sacral chakra. And the next one, solar plexus. So I was really having this journey through the chakras. And when I, whilst I was reading, I was listening to some binaural beats, some music that had frequencies that were related to those chakras. So I felt like I was immersing myself in a chakra per day. It was amazing. And within each chapter, you can find so much information around the specific chakra in question, for example, about the element. And there is a meditation at the beginning for each chakra. And then it talks about the, um, you can see what it means, the location, the element, the function, inner state, and what malfunction of that chakra would be, the color. Um, vowel sounds, also the, the crystals associated with it and the yoga path and symbols and Hindu deities and um, and also some yoga position um, asanas as well. And it was just, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it a lot, this journey through the chakras. And I've always known that my strongest and weakest chakra has to be the sacral chakra, which is associated with sexuality, creativity. And also I have, I have obviously those parts of me are very strong, but at the same time I have had lots of issues with my hips and having an overactive bladder. So it's it's kind of like my, my power and my weakness. And also my, um, my neck, I do have sometimes a stiff neck and that's, um, communication as well, so it's kind of interesting how my strongest parts of me are also the parts that kind of are the most problematic, because I do believe everything is energy, everything's energetic at the end of the day, and I really, really um, would recommend this book for anyone who's, who wants a holistic journey through the chakras, and yeah, it's just very, very, very enjoyable, especially, especially, it's nice to not read any more than, more than one chapter per day. So you can kind of really be in that space of one chakra per day and just learn as much as you can about it. It's very easy to read as well. So it's a very, very nice book. And I'm going to read a little bit from the blurb at the back. Wheels of Life takes you on a powerful journey through progressively transcendent levels of consciousness. View this ancient metaphysical system Through the light of new metaphors, ranging from quantum physics to child development, learn how to explore and balance your own chakras using poetic meditations and simple yoga movements, along with gaining spiritual wisdom. You'll experience better health, more energy, enhanced creativity, and the ability to manifest your dreams. I love it, definitely love this book, and I've actually got it back on my desk now, three years after reading it for the first time, because I'm, I'm actually um, making some content now um, that that's based around these seven chakras with crystals and with binaural beats, which is music that um, has different frequencies for different desired outcomes, and I just love binaural beats, so I'm consulting this to kind of get into the space of each chakra. And going back to my point before when I was talking about sexual compatibility quiz or the, an app to kind of compare your sexual fantasies and see if you have similar tastes between the sheets, I have found the website now, which will guide you to the app and it's www.quiv.re and quiv is Q-U-I-V dot R-E. So check that out. That will be definitely an interesting thing to do with your lover or your partner. And it could be the the beginning of a new explosive union. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery, Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath, and enjoy.
2: I am sexual. I am sensual. cosmic orgasms. I release any shame or guilt around my sensuality.
0: find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle visit venusohara.org or follow me on instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara make sure to search for the orgasmic lifestyle podcast by venus ohara in apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.